Good morning to you. This is such a wonderful and special time in our uh, Christian calendar. And I urge you, in this Passion Week, to spend time in the Scriptures, meditating particularly in the Gospels on the events of the final week of the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. There is so much that we can learn. And as you've come here this morning, I hope that you have been touched within your own spirit as you've looked at the front of the church here. Estri has spent quite a bit of time and thought in preparation. Today, of course, is Palm Sunday, and so we have the golden palms on either side of the cross. We also have at the base of the cross a floral arrangement that is red, which for me symbolises the shed blood of our Lord. And of course there is also the cross itself. And then the baptistry, symbolising the death and then resurrection to new life for those who want to follow the Lord. It's a very special time. But in looking at the Lord Jesus, in meditating upon him, we also notice that there is within the Old Testament a, a, a character that we need to not ignore. And that, of course, is the character of Isaac. And so today I, I just want to share with you a little bit about the Lord Jesus and how he is the true and better Isaac. And I want us to look at some of the comparisons and similarities between Isaac and the Lord Jesus. As we begin, I'd just like to say that there are many comparisons. Whoops, let me turn this on. There are many comparisons that we can make between the Lord Jesus and other notable people, some of history and some of more recent times. In each of these comparisons, however, the Lord Jesus always comes out on top. Always. The question has to be asked, why is this so? Why is the Lord Jesus always better than all of the others of history? And the answer rests in the realisation that the Lord Jesus is more than a mere mortal like you and me. As we read in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15, when speaking of the Lord Jesus, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was without sin 
We can't say that about any of the other notable people of history. Only Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ. Jesus is unique. The Lord Jesus, we learn from Scripture, is God incarnate. God revealed in perfected human flesh. Now, you can question it. You can debate it. You can even deny it. But it doesn't change the facts of the truth, especially when you study all the evidences. And for 2,000 years, people have been debating about who is Jesus really. And the debate will continue to go on because there are always going to be those who seek to deny the truth. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Last week, Pastor Caroline began this special series around the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus by showing us how our Lord Jesus is the true and better Adam. And today, I would like us to consider another of the Old Testament greats by looking at how our Lord Jesus is the true and better Isaac. As we begin, we cannot avoid some of the uh, remarkable similarities between the life of Isaac and the life and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus. And this morning, I just want to focus on a few. I won't be bringing out all of the similarities. That's homework for you. Don't you just love it? Homework. I want you, during the week, to look at the record of Jesus and to look at the record of Isaac and to see what similarities you can come up with. And then you've got to tell me. Next week, in the weeks to come, you tell me what other similarities you have discovered. But for this morning, let me just bring up a few. Of first importance, we note that Isaac and Jesus were both described as only begotten sons. In essence, what this means is that their births can be described as rather special, even unique. We only need to read in Genesis chapter 22, verses 2, verse 12, and verse 26, where God said to Abraham these words, your, uh, in reference to Isaac, your son, your only son. 
Now, is that true? Or is your mind thinking, uh-oh, hold on, what's going on here? Isaac had another son, didn't he? Sorry, Abraham had another son before Isaac, Ishmael. So how come God is saying to Abraham about Isaac, your son, your only son? And note the fact of the repetition. Because if something is said in the scriptures once, it's important. It wouldn't be there if it wasn't important. If it's said twice, it's very, very important. If it's repeated three times, this is critical and you better take note. And here, it's three times. Of course, Isaac was not Abraham's sole offspring. So what did God mean? And what does the Hebrew word yashid, which was translated as only, really mean? Well, when we compare its use in other Old Testament passages, of which there it was used 12 times, this word yashid, we discover that the word has also been rendered as alone, special, precious, unique, or one of a kind. And let's be very clear, Isaac's birth to Abraham and Sarah was special, was unique, and was one of a kind. In that Sarah was 90 years of age when she conceived, and Abraham was a hundred years of age when Isaac was born. Now, anyone here over 80? Just come on, be honest, be honest. Any ladies? Okay, men, gentlemen, good. But any ladies over 80? Ah, just a few of you. All right. We had a few more in the first service. I asked them the question as they were approaching 90, how they would feel if they were going to have another baby. <laughs> Anyone interested? Any yeses? I'm seeing the, no, the, <laughs> I'm seeing the shake of the head. And men, you're nearly 100 or heading to 100. How would you like to be a dad again? Any takers? No. <laughs> the birth of Isaac truly was Yashid, unique, one of a kind. In the New Testament, a similar argument can be made for the use of the Greek word monogenes, which was only used nine times in the New Testament. And it also has been translated as only begotten when referring to the Lord Jesus in John 1.14 and 3.16. But truly, the birth of Jesus was special, was unique, and was one of a kind in that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit when Mary was a young woman who had never been with any man. She was a virgin. 
only begotten, unique, special, one of a kind. Both Isaac and Jesus. A second similarity between Isaac and the Lord Jesus is that they were both named by God. They were both named by God, which implies a divine authority over their lives. Now, once again, I ask you, how many of you here were named by God? God spoke to your parents and told them that they were to name you the name that you have. Anyone here? No takers? No, they weren't in the first service either. Well, both Isaac and Jesus were named by God. We only need to look at Genesis chapter 17 verse 19 and we read that God said to Abraham, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. And then we look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. We read how an angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream and said to him, She, that is Mary, shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Yeshua or Jesus. Jesus is the Greek, Yeshua is the Aramaic. Wonderful similarities. And how many others in the New Testament were named by God in this way? A third similarity is that Isaac and Jesus were both lifted up as a sacrifice or an offering to God. In Genesis chapter 22 verse 2, God said to Abraham these words, Go to the land of Moriah and offer him, that is, offer Isaac there. Now the Hebrew word translated as offer is Allah, A-L-A-H. And of the 889 times it was used in the Old Testament, 676 times it has been rendered or translated as up. Two, well, three quarters of the time it's been translated as up. In essence, when Abraham was told to offer Isaac as a sacrifice, he was told to lift him up to God. Abraham... Go to the land of Moriah and lift up a Isaac there to God. It's not surprising then that we find the Lord Jesus speaking of his coming sacrifice on the cross of Calvary in similar language. We only need to read John 3.14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so... The Son of Man must be lifted up. And John 12, verse 32, Jesus said, If I am lifted up, if I am offered, if I am sacrificed up from the earth, 
I will draw all peoples to myself. Don't you just love these similarities and comparisons? Well, let me give you another one. A fourth similarity is that both Isaac and Jesus were likened to a sacrificial lamb. In Genesis 22, verse 7 to 8, as we read, of Isaac asking his father Abraham, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham's response was clear. My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Though Abraham did not fully understand the will and purposes of God, he knew that he had been asked to offer his son Isaac as a sacrificial lamb. He knew it. And for Abraham, submission and obedience to God was above all else. One can only imagine the grief, the anguish and the sorrow he must have experienced as he sought to carry out the command of God. Fathers, how would you feel? If God asked this of you, would you be obedient or would you try to find all manner of excuses? I can only imagine what Abraham went through. This is Isaac, my beloved son. God, are you really asking me to kill him? I don't understand. And yet, there was also that deep compunction within him. This is the command of God and I must obey. I must obey. What he must have gone through. It has been argued that when Abraham answered Isaac's question, he provided one of the most important answers in history. God will provide the lamb. God will provide the lamb. It's not surprising then that in his own death, our Lord Jesus was described as the sacrificial lamb of God. We only need to read John 1.29 when John the Baptist looked to Jesus and said these words, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And in verse 36, he repeated it. Repetition. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God. But it doesn't stop there. Also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19, we note that the Lord Jesus was described as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He was perfect. A lamb without blemish, without spot. And is it any wonder that in Acts chapter 8 verse 32, when Philip spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch, he used the quote from Isaiah chapter 53 verse 7 to describe the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. To be sure, the similarities between Isaac and the Lord Jesus do not finish here. There are others we could mention. For example, both Isaac and Jesus carried the wood for their sacrifices. Both Isaac and Jesus were submissive and obedient to their father's will for them, even unto death. Isaac didn't fight when he was bound, when he was lifted up by Abraham and placed on the altar with the wood. He didn't fight. He was obedient to his father. Both Isaac and Jesus were silent when preparing for death. In Genesis 22 verse 9, Isaac was silent when he was bound, when he was placed on the altar, and the knife was raised above his heart. In the same way, the Lord Jesus was silent before Caiaphas, he was silent before Pilate and he was silent before Herod. So, what do we do with all these very interesting comparisons and similarities? And there are more. That's why that's your homework. Okay? There are more. But what do we do with them? Do we simply acknowledge them as an interesting intellectual exercise or do we allow them to strike deeper into our very being and dare to challenge us as to our response to God? And make no mistake, we need to make a response. The cross challenges us to make a response to God. You can choose to ignore, turn a blind eye, walk past a church and do nothing. You can choose to argue against the gospel message. Or you can choose 
to read it and to pray that the Holy Spirit of God will teach his lessons to your heart. Let's be very clear. This record in Genesis chapter 22 raises some very challenging questions about life and about God. For example, was God's command for Abraham to sacrifice his son merely a throwback to some ancient ritual of child sacrifice to enhance the land's productivity or to win the favour of the gods? Was it a throwback to that? And was Jesus merely a social rabble-rouser who challenged the authorities of his day and suffered an ignominious death at the hands of his adversaries? Is that all it is? Or is there something much deeper happening here in both the Old Testament and New Testament records that we should not ignore? Let me say, if we go that path of ignoring, there are consequences. There are consequences. And the scriptures are clear about that. As we read of the life of Isaac and the life and sacrifice of our Lord Jesus, those separated by 2,000 years of human history, we cannot deny that there is so much to think about in the remarkable similarities. Isaac, 4,000 years ago. Jesus, 2,000 years ago. Us, today. In essence, the record in Genesis chapter 22 was a prophetic pre-enactment of the greater redemptive work God would one day accomplish through the Lord Jesus. The life of Isaac and the events that happened to him were a prophetic pre-enactment that points to Jesus. And in this prophetic pre-enactment, Isaac prefigured the one who was to come. Jesus, in his willingness and his obedience unto death. There is also a comparison to be made of Abraham as an earthly father to God as our heavenly father. And the love and the sense of sorrow and grief that was experienced. In a sense, Isaac prefigures us because he was saved by God. And when the ram was sacrificed in his stead, we see the parallel with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus because he died in our place on the cross of Calvary. What we learn from this type of comparison and the others that can be made between the Old Testament records and the New Testament witness is that the whole 
Bible record points us to the Lord Jesus if we would take the time to read it and to study it. It's not just a book of antiquity that might be interesting to archaeologists. It's a book that today points us to Jesus. And what we learn from this type of comparison and the others that can be made between the Old Testament records and the New Testament witness is that it should not be ignored. We cannot ignore it. In considering its importance and relevance for us today in 2023, it also raises some very important questions, none more so than why does death have to be involved at all? Why does there have to be death at all? Let's face it, when God created this world, he created it without death. Why would God ask Abraham to kill his son Isaac? Was it merely a test of faith or is there something deeper? In this prophetic pre-enactment. And why did the Lord Jesus have to die at Calvary? These are important questions. And the answer to all these questions rests in the realisation that death was not part of the purposes of God in creation. Death was introduced as a result of Adam and Eve's disobedience when they yielded to the serpent's lies, temptations and appeal to their vanity. Once death was a reality of our fallen humanity, God's difficulty and ours is working out how to deal with it. How is it to be dealt with? In essence, sacrifice was a way of substitution in that the death of one was made so life could be given to another. And isn't this the heart of the message of the gospel? In the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus on the cross, God brought to bear his solution to the problem of humanity's sin, of humanity's greed, of humanity's selfishness, of humanity's vanity, of humanity's corruption, and of humanity's disobedience. The Lord Jesus died for us all, and once and for all time. There is therefore no more need for any more substitutionary sacrifice to restore us to a right relationship with God. The price has been paid. 
the sacrifice of Jesus, where God in essence offered himself, means new life for us all. This is good news, God's news. As we conclude, make no mistake, the similarities between the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus and the story of Isaac are many and incredible. They are incredible. In the Old Testament record of Isaac, God has given us a hint of what was to come. And in the New Testament, he revealed the significance of the Lord Jesus. The meaning and the purpose of his life and sacrifice. As such, we can now say with full assurance that the Lord Jesus is a true and a better Isaac. In the incarnate Christ, we see the full restoration of humanity by God, that is, for those who would call upon him and receive him as their Lord and Saviour. How good is this? The challenge is, what are you going to do about it for the rest of your life? What are you going to do about it? Are you going to allow God in Christ Jesus to change your thinking, your attitudes, your values, your actions, your reactions, your personality, your nature. What are you going to do about it? He has paid the price for you. Let's give thanks. Our Father God, we we are in awe and wonderment of how your purposes and plans spanned thousands of years of human history to bring us to this point today, that we would realise that the price has been paid, the sacrifice has been made, forgiveness is offered Restoration is secured. We thank you for the prophetic pre-enactment in the life of Isaac. We thank you for its fulfilment in Jesus. Amen. <coughs>